I want you to quote this verse with me again, 2 Timothy 1.7. Say it with me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's say it one more time. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We've learned that the spirit of fear will create a playground in the believer's life for the enemy's activity. We cannot afford to be a playground for the devil. Can I have an amen? We've learned from this scripture that if we're walking in a spirit of fear, then there's a power outage in our lives. That the love walk is not where it should be, and that our mind is not functioning the way it's supposed to. But with him, we don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of faith, don't we, church? Look at somebody say, my mind is working very well. Thank you very much. And as we went through this teaching, the Lord has identified several areas that he is telling us in this year not to be afraid of. And so I just want to repeat those and then launch into the first one today. He's telling us, don't be afraid to dream. Can I have an amen? Don't be afraid to forgive. Don't be afraid to start over. Don't be afraid to live your life. Can I have an amen? Don't be afraid to take a risk. Don't be afraid to live openly and boldly for the Lord. And last, don't be afraid to speak up. You're not controlled by fear. You're directed by the Spirit of God. Can I have an amen? So I'm going to talk to you about uh, not being afraid to dream or learning to dream again in your life. First of all, let's understand that a dream or a vision is a horizon or anticipated future in our lives. And for this message, I'm not going to make much of a distinction between a dream and a vision because I want you to see that, that both are really uh, directional in terms of God's operation in your life. In fact, uh, you just take the, the scripture that, uh, that Todd mentioned, the transition between Moses and Joshua. It required that he hear something from the Lord in terms of a context, in terms of a dream. And in an interesting, one of the first things he told him and repeated it, do not be afraid. Because there is no way for you to operate in God's dream and God's vision for your life and operate in fear at the same time. That dream is like a built-in GPS that's going to influence your decisions. You won't know why, but you're being directed and being led, and you feel impressed to do this or do that. That's because that dream has become the primary focus through the Spirit of God of what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to be, and where you're supposed to go. It'll affect your demeanor and your attitude, your level of effort, and your expectations. When we dream, we have an internal navigation system. And it's very, very powerful, and it's very, very divine. Without it, we have no sense of meaning or purpose. No wonder so many people right now in the body of Christ are wandering aimlessly across the earth because they're not dreaming anymore. Instead, they're trying to survive what's happened in this world. Right now, people are just marking time. Another month, another year, another variant. That is not the way God has ordained his people to live. He never told us to stop dreaming. He never told us to stop walking in vision just because there was some adversity out there. In fact, you read the Word of God, you find there was never a season where God's people did not have to faith through adversity to keep the dream of God in their heart. But right now you see it as epidemic, not the pandemic, but what's epidemic is Christians who are no longer dreaming in their lives. Instead, they're, they're running and cowering and reacting 
rather than moving forward with what God has called them to do. So I want to dedicate this message today to the concept that God wants you to dream again. You take those dreams off the shelf and then do and be what God has called you to be and do. Dreamlessness has become a major pandemic as millions simply put their lives and dreams on hold, adopting a survival mentality instead of a let's take it for the Lord mentality. And at the same time, you know what a dream is? It's a gift from God. Turn to somebody and tell them it is a gift to have a dream and a vision in your life. In fact, God has this gift for every one of his people. If you're sitting here today and you think that this is just for certain special people, you know, the T.D. Jakes of the world, you know, and the Benny Hens of the world and the Catherine Kuhlmans of the world, you know, those people are supposed to have dreams. We're just ordinary people. God did not design you to be ordinary, period. And the way you go from where you are to his extraordinary plan is to follow the dream that he has for your life. In fact, he said it like this, for I know the plans I have for you. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about you today. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This means that God has a dream and a vision for every single believer. If you're not a believer today, your first job is to get saved. But if you're saved, you should have more than just, I'm going to work 30 years and retire and die and go to heaven plan. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. God has never ordained you to retire from his work period. That is a piece of worldliness and carnality that has infected the church of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, when do I get to retire? When you die. When you die, I'll do your funeral and I'll say, here lies so-and-so, they're retired. But until that time, you really don't have permission to retire from the dream of God. Uh, Moses retired when? When he died. Paul retired when? When he died. Hallelujah. I want you to look at the scripture with me. In Joel chapter 2, I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. But over in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, just to kind of lay a foundation today. In verse 28, he says, And afterward I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women. Shout that out. Both men and women. I'll pour out my spirit in those days. What does that tell you? It tells you there should be an increase in dreams and visions in the last days, not a decrease in visions and dreams. It tells you that the Spirit of God is active. And it means that God has a dream and a vision for each of his children. And the importance of dreams and visions, understand this, the primary work of the Holy Ghost is to make that deposit in your life. You say, well, I've never had one. Well, you can. And you should, according to the Word of God. Now, with a dream, uh, you could be asleep or fully awake. It doesn't matter. With a vision, it can be an open-eyed vision or a closed-eyed vision. When we're talking about dreams and visions, we're talking about something more than just what you dreamed last night that could have been from God, could have been from the devil, could have been from the pizza. <laughs> we're talking about something that's more enduring than that, that actually impacts your life 
and what you do and what you decide day after day, week after week, and month after month. Now those you know, punctuated dreams could have something to do with this, but I'm talking about the big picture of what God has for you and what God wants to do through you. I believe that uh, we sometimes focus on the tongues and the interpretation of the prophecy and the healings and the miracles, and we forget that a primary function of the Holy Ghost is to impart dreams to His people, to give them a sense of why you're actually here. And a lot of Christians, they go bouncing off the walls from place to place, from town to town, here and there, trying to find, trying to blindly navigate what God might have for them, but they need to start with the dream. And you know what? You don't need to do anything, go anywhere, until you know what the dream of God is that's designed to guide your life and ministry for the rest of your life. Well, we'll stumble onto it. It'll be okay. Well, it'll be okay. God will just forgive us and we'll just, you know, start all over again. Let me tell you something. This is not a day that, for, for picking what seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man, and what happens? In the end, it leads you to death. You know, you step out of God's will, you may never get back into it again. And there are a lot of people that test that theory and find out, well, I wonder what happened. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years gone. What happened was you decided that running your life was better than letting God run your life. Look at somebody and tell them, God knows better than you do. So what you want to find out is what he has for you, that dream, that vision. But I thank God the Holy Spirit is working. Do you believe that today? And he's alive. Say this to me, oh, Father, by your spirit, Make your dream and vision clear for my life. In uh, Genesis uh, 37, uh, the narrative tells us about Joseph and the dream that he dreamed. And I want to read this to you from verse 5 to about verse 10 and just say a, a few things about this. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him yet the more. I mean, you know, that's good news there. How many know the brothers and sisters ought to be excited for you when you have a dream? But that's not always the case. You know what that tells me? That tells me deep down in their heart they must have believed his dream. Or they wouldn't have been mad about it. Amen? There are people who are, who are not excited for your success. They're pulling for your failure. And they could be in the house of God. But if God be for you, who could be against you? If God is for you, who cares if somebody else is pulling for your failure? Look at somebody and tell them God is pulling for your success. And he said to them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance on, on my sheaf. The animals are bowing down to him in an honor and reverence. And he goes on to say, and his brethren said, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made the same thing, honor and, and obeisance to me. And he said, and he told to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I, my mother, and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee on the earth? What happened when they all finally got to Egypt? It's exactly what they did. So he sees this, and this dream becomes huge on the inside of him. And how many know the devil did everything he could at that point to pound that dream out of him? But it came from God, and he held on to it. 
I want you to understand that all deliverance, including deliverance for Israel and Egypt in the story, all deliverance and all mighty moves of God start with a dream. No dream, not much is going to be accomplished. You just can't live your life and say, well, if God wants to do something with me, he'll do it. No, you need to pay attention to what he's depositing into your heart and then act on that in faith and obedience and watch what he will do. You know, when, uh, when Kelly graduated from uh, Regent University a few years ago, uh, Pat Robertson came out and he gave a, a very brief commencement address. He was almost 90 then. You know, he's not real, real strong. But the things he said were very, very powerful. And I remember that some of the things he said and some of the facts escaped me about his story. But the Lord told him to come to Virginia Beach and start a school and start a ministry there. And he had no land, and he had no leverage, he had no uh, you know, equity, nothing to offer anybody, and he had really no money. And he went to the banker and said, God told me to do this, and they agreed to work with him to get the land that Regent University now sits on right now. He had, uh, he had I believe, $3, and uh, the banker said, well, do you have a, and you, did you have a checking account, a bank account? And he goes, no, well, you'll want one of those. And so he goes over the office of the account, and by the time they charged him for the checks, he was like minus two or three dollars from the beginning of that ministry. And now they have gone around the world. I know people that, that were raised in the denominational world. They would sit there and watch the 700 Club and watch that broadcast. And because it was done with such excellence and because the, the messages were so compelling, they would sit there and they would get saved and get baptized in the Holy Ghost watching that broadcast. You see, it all started with What? A dream, nothing else. That's the only currency he had. You could say the same thing about what Oral Roberts did at ORU. You could say the same thing what Dr. Falwell did at Liberty University. God called these men to do this, and the legacies now are greatly intact to make a difference in future generations. But you know what all three of them have in common? They had nothing to start with but a dream. So if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I can't do anything because I don't have anything, or maybe you're thinking, uh, Joseph is special, but I'm not. I'm telling you, God wants to work deliverance and miracles through you as well. But it's going to start with what? With a dream. Turn to somebody and say, it always starts with a dream. I mean, you know, that sounds better than just wandering around this life and dying and going to heaven one day. To live up to the potential that's on the inside of you in Jesus' name. You and I were built and designed by God to dream and have visions. But, you know, it should come as a, as a stark reality to you today. How can God entrust a lot of people in the body of Christ today if he can't even trust them to come to church? How can I give you a life-compelling dream when you can't even keep the basic tenets of the Christian faith? Amen? In other words, if we're going to not be afraid to dream, we're going to have to get some things in order in our lives. And I tell you that uh, sometimes it's not easy to hear, but we need to hear it. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them we need to hear the truth. Spoken in love. But we need to hear the truth. Amen. Well, what does a dream give you? You might want to jot these down. This will encourage you. A dream will give you divine passion. Show me a Christian with no fire, with no zeal. I'll show you a Christian that has lost or never had the godly dream. Number two is divine inspiration. This will give you illumination of your purpose and your meaning. The dream will give you a sense of, hey, I'm here for a reason. 
I'm just not here sucking up air and one day going to die and fertilize the ground. I am here for a purpose and for a meaning. Number three is divine direction. That dream is your inner guidance system. It's God's supernatural and internal deposit for directing his people into their future and to fulfill his purpose for their lives. Write these words down. That dream is literally a supernatural, divine, prophetic direction. Listen to it again. A supernatural, divine, prophetic direction. And he has one for you. I love the concept. It's supernatural. It's divine. It's origin as God. And it's also prophetic in your life. As you act on that, it's going to guide you. It's going to unfold. And it's going to prove to have been true in your life. That doesn't mean you may have some, have some bumps along the way and some missteps, but if you'll focus on that, he's going to get you where you need to go. Do you believe that today? Number four, it's divine impartation, which means the power is given with the dream. We have often said that he never gives you a command without giving you the power to keep that command. It's the same thing with a dream. He's not going to give you the dream and not give you the power to keep it. He never gives a dream without providing the means. Say that with me. He never gives a dream without providing the means. Which means if he sends Pat Robertson to Virginia Beach, you know, he has $5 total to his name, that that's not where it's going to end. If he has a dream from God, God's going to what? Give him the means to accomplish it. And it's the same thing for you. Say it with me. If he gives me a dream, he'll give me the means. You'll have everything you need, resources, people, money, to make that thing become a reality. And then five is divine expectation. That's what happens when you have a dream. You seriously expect the fulfillment of that dream to come to pass. You are going to see the thing unfold. You're going to see God use you. You're going to see people's lives change. How many know that godly dreams always change lives? Amen. And every Christian ought to have a dream tied to it. If it's just you're existing and you're working and you're buying and you're selling, praise the Lord. We, we got to buy a house and we had some kids and some grandkids and we had some fun, took some trips, went to Disney World and we died and went to heaven. Your life needs to be more than that. Let me say it again. Your life needs to be more than that. But you're going to have to, you know, get real serious about what God has for you. Do you know there are Christians that live their whole lives and never ask God what he wants? You say, why would they do that, Pastor? Because they, they grabbed on to the teaching about Jesus as Savior. But somehow the revelation about Jesus as Lord never actually got to them. The elevator did not go all the way up to the top. Can I tell you something? If you won't let him be Lord, you can't have him as Savior. And it should not be quiet as this in this Presbyterian church today. Come on, say it. He is Savior and Lord. It's not Jesus saved me, now I go do what I want. No, Jesus is Savior and He is Lord, and you go do what He wants. This should have been part of your fundamental makeup as a born-again believer. This should have been, you know, lesson, you know, 101 for you. He is Lord. The Christians today, they do what they want, they say what they want, they go where they want, or don't do whatever they want. Listen, there's not a Christian in the world that should obey a dictate of a man or a government or a disease telling them not to gather together as a body. Why? Because Jesus is Lord and he's already spoken about this issue. And that's what we're seeing right now in America. We're seeing a great divide, thousands upon thousands who confessed him as, Lord, as Savior, but do not live as though he is Lord. And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, 
and do not do the things that I say. He said, I'll show you one that actually is living the right way and doing the right thing. Two men built a house, one built on a solid foundation, one built what? On the sand. The storm came as the storms always will come. Have you noticed the storms come? And they beat against the house that was on a, on a poor foundation, and guess what? It was swept away. But the one that was built on a solid foundation, it stood. Amen. They both had the word. They both had the command. They both had a storm, but one stood. Why? Because one heard and did what they were told to do. There is no foundation without lordship and obedience to that lordship. No matter what you hear, see modeled around you, if people have a savior but he's not their lord, they don't have permission to call him savior. And there are going to be a lot of Christians shocked in the end days. When he says, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you as one who was actually a disciple. I never knew you as one that actually treated me as Lord. You basically prayed a prayer, got baptized in water, went to church every once in a while when you felt like it, and then did whatever you wanted to do whenever you wanted to do it. And let me say, these are some of the finest stairs I've ever had in my entire ministry. How many know when we get to the end, we do not want him to say to us, depart from me. I never knew you. What does that tell you? It tells you there are a lot of people that think they're just fine and dandy with him. And they're not fine and dandy with him. And the reason is they are not walking in a lordship follower relationship. Watch this. Disciple uh, and discipline come from the same root, do they not? Which means if we're a disciple, we're being what? Disciplined. And no discipline is in, in, enjoyable. It could even be grievous. But how do you understand? He disciplines us with his word. And as we bend, we enjoy the blessing of lining up with what he says. Glory to God. Say it with me. I am lining up. I'm going to do it his way. And if you don't want to do it his way, you know, it's no skin off my neck in the end. But I can tell you this. This is a day where the Lord needs people in the body of Christ to start letting him be Lord. And one of the things the Lord does by the Spirit is he deposits this life-governing and life-directing vision or dream. Amen. Maybe you've lost it. He'll give it to you again if you'll ask him. You say, I've never had one. He'll give it to you. You have not because you ask not. Part of what we do today is, is remind you, you know, and instill within you the confidence that God does have a plan for you. Say with me, he has plans to prosper me, to give me a future, and give me a hope. He's not done with you. Let me say it again. He's not done with you. Well, I'm too old to have a future and a hope. Caleb was over 80 when he took his mountain. Moses lived to be how long? Amen. How many years do you think Noah spent building that boat? A long, long time. Look at somebody and say, you're not too old. You're just too grouchy. Come on, say it like you believe it. I'm not too old. It doesn't make any difference what age somebody is, no matter what age the vessel is, if they will receive the dream, God is well able to give you the power, the stamina, and the endurance to accomplish it. It's not about age. In fact, right now in the body of Christ, what we need more than anything are for the seasoned saints and leaders to hang around a little bit longer. 
so they can impart to other people what God has given to them. So you're not done. Well, you know, things haven't worked out the way I thought. You know, I've had some losses, had some setbacks. You know, there's been some deaths, there's been some defeats in my life. That doesn't mean that God's dream for you is over. Your dream for your life is attached to him. It's not attached to another human being. That's a big lie from the devil. You don't exist because somebody else exists. You exist because Jesus is Lord. And there is still a great big dream and purpose for your life. You just have to realize the value of it. Say it with me. It'll give me passion, inspiration, direction, impartation, and expectation. Well, when I got that uh, dream from him, what does it take to fulfill that? And that's what I want to share with you today for the rest of the time that I have. I want you to go to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. And if you can't find it really, go to the table of contents. That's what it's there for. You're over there in Micah because you want to act like you, you know where you're going. Just, just go to the table of contents. Amen? Everybody has the same need. Everybody is in the same boat. Everybody is still a work in progress. Turn to somebody and tell them God's got a great dream for your life. I'm going to read verse 2 through 4 here. And the Lord answered and answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes by may be able to read it. This is from Amplified. It, read it easily and quickly. Say it easily and quickly as he hastens by. For the vision is yet for an appointed time and it hastens to the end. Fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint. Come on, shout it out. It will not deceive. It will not disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behindhand on its appointed day. Look at the proud. His soul is not straight or right within him, but the originally just and the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4. Let me give you seven things it's going to take for you to fulfill that godly dream. Say it with me. God has a dream for me. Come on, say God has a dream for my life. It reflects his lordship over my life. I've had people ask me before, uh, we served in, uh, in Hopkinsville, and at times, you know, 50, 60% of our church was military. And uh, several of them were, were recently born again. One of the kids, uh, and I say kids because he was uh, probably barely 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, he was a practicing Satanist, and um, he got into his barracks, and his, uh, his sergeant led him to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You hear what I said? It wasn't in church, right there in the barracks. And you know, this kid who was a Satanist repented, denounced the enemy, and won everybody in his barracks to the Lord Jesus Christ. And brought several of them, uh, you know, to, to the church. And they'd have questions like, well, how can I, when Uncle Sam calls the shots, you know, how, am I, how can I possibly, you know, let Jesus be Lord? Because the Lord can move upon the hearts of your commanders. Amen. Amen. The, the king's heart can be directed by the Lord like a water course. And so what he can do is he can have you where you're supposed to be. So even when you seem to be under a, a strong command structure, whatever it is at work, or at school, or in the military, guess what? 
he can still direct your path. Amen. When it's time for you to go, you know, in terms of transitioning life, he can, he can take care of that as well. Dr. Barkley got saved in the foxhole in Vietnam. An expert sniper took out many high-level uh, enemy targets who were responsible for, you know, moving thousands and thousands of troops. And when he got out, he was talking to his commander, and his commander said, before you withdraw, before you change, I want you to know how many countless lives you saved because of what you had done. He said, oh, by the way, I know exactly how you feel. He said, I've recently given my life to Christ. So you'd be amazed what God can do, whatever scenario you're actually in. You trust yourself the Lord is moving in your life. Amen? Say he has a dream for me. Number one, that dream is going to take God. There's no way that you're going to do this on your own. And if you try to do things in your own strength, you're going to fail. You're going to just kind of spin around and find yourself accomplishing very little, getting little results. But it's going to take God. If it's a godly dream, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's all right because he gives us strength. He gives us power. He gives us wisdom. He gives us gifts. He gives us impartation. You don't have to do it by yourself. But the temptation will be to rely on yourself to fulfill the dream. It didn't come from you, and you can't do it by yourself. Number two, it takes focus. This is why the enemy uses distraction against that vision and why the vision has to be written down. Your focus is going to determine your reality as well as your direction. Make sure it's clear. You've got to stay focused if you want to see this thing accomplished. And all the devil had to do was, boo, here's a virus. And the entire body of Christ just lost its focus. Amen. Well, there are a lot of churches like yours that are rebelling from that right now. Come on, say it. We have our focus. We have our marching orders. And when the tale is told about this, you're going to find out that some of the biggest damage is not in terms of health care or lives lost and not in terms of, of money treating this thing. It's going to be in all the dreams that were left unfulfilled because people started serving this instead of serving God. Look at somebody and say, keep your focus. Stay focused on what God has called you to do. Amen. Say, well, it's, it's a pretty serious thing. You know what? This is just the first of many things that are going to come down the pipe. There's a half a dozen other things right behind it that try to steal your focus unless you make up your mind. I'm going to focus on what God has assigned me to do and to be. Number three, it takes time. It takes patience, being consistently constant while you, while you wait and while you work with God in that direction, on that dream. This is why the enemy forces delays. And a lot of people get frustrated thinking, well, there's been a delay. It's never going to happen. Turn to somebody and tell them a delay does not mean it's not going to happen. Come on, say it. A delay does not mean it's not going to happen. You just keep doing what you're supposed to do. And you'll find God come alongside of you and bring that thing to pass in the right time, at the right season. Remember what it says in Habakkuk, it is an appointed time. There is due season, glory to God. Some of you say, well, I want my due season to speed up. Well, who doesn't? But you don't want to throw your faith down coming this far. I mean, some of you have been walking down this path a long time. Why quit now? Hang in there and watch what God will do. Number four, it takes effort. This doesn't mean, well, God's going to do it, so I'll just sing Kumbaya and let him do it. No, it takes effort. I remember a spiritual leader all the time. He'd talk about issues in the church, talk about issues in the ministry, and he would just say, you know, lay out what's wrong and what's not happening. And then he would just say, well, the Lord will help us. Well, guess what? 
that's true. On the other hand, it's not true. The Lord will what? Will help you, but you've got to be doing something. So it's not just sit back and let him do everything. It's not doing everything in your flesh, but it's a partnership between you and God through that dream and the Holy Ghost. You've got to be active in something. In other words, you can't be a, a sloth hanging around doing nothing. Amen. Come on, say it takes effort. It takes effort. Well, the Lord will help us. You know what that is? That's just a spiritual cop-out. You can say that one year, five years, ten years, and look back and nothing has been done. Wonder why God didn't help us. Because faith without works is dead. Number five, it takes faith. This is why the devil works so much to get people in fear, because when they're in fear, they unplug from faith. You've got to believe the dream over your life. Amen. Do you believe what God has put in your heart? Do you believe that God put it there? Do you believe that he's going to bring that to pass? It takes faith. And if it doesn't, faith comes by what? By hearing. Number six, it takes words. Words so the herald may run with what is written. A dream must be spoken and also declared. Like me, you probably looked at Joseph and said, Joseph, you know, you probably shouldn't have said these things to anybody. And how do you understand you should be careful about where you share your dreams in your heart? Uh, because you shouldn't be casting your pearl before swine. Do you know what I found out shockingly? Some Christians are swine. I was shocked to find out that you're wasting your time and your breath. In fact, even some of them are so immature they don't know how to handle what you shared and it comes back to bite you. Uh, my uh, homiletics, that's where they teach you how to craft and preach sermons and my hermeneutics instructor, that is a class on the interpretation, rightly interpreting uh, scripture, uh, my, my instructor used to say this, he'd say, you know, uh, be careful getting naked in front of the Pharisees because those rocks hurt. In other words, you need to be careful what you're doing around people. And I used to think, well, you know, that was just a dumb thing for Joseph to, to say that until I began to realize that until the dream is spoken into the earth, it cannot come to pass. He was absolutely right to share what he had. The problem was not in him. The problem was in his parents and his brothers and being able to discern what was on his life. Now, obviously, you don't want to go around telling everybody that, but guess what? It has to be spoken. If you're not speaking the dream, you're going to have a hard time seeing that thing come to pass. Yes, get with people who are going to agree with you and say, yes, amen, and how can I help you? At the same time, it needs to go forth. If it's just in your heart, it's never going to come to pass. Faith must be in your heart, but it must also be where? In your mouth. Say, my dream is in my heart, but it's also in my mouth. At a dream of God, you begin to talk about it. You begin to explain it. Amen. And, and God help us all in this church to cheer for one another. Amen. Yes. Let me say it again. God help us to cheer for one another. Yes. Somebody comes to you with something God's trying to do. Amen. Lift them up. Encourage them. Yes. Don't shake your head and say, well, I tried that or Aunt Martha tried that and she's gone now. So-and-so did that, and they lost everything. No, you want to be the person who can support the dream that God has put inside of their heart. And how do you know that God didn't put that in their heart? Where did everybody get so cynical all of a sudden? Amen. Questioning everything God is doing instead of submitting their lives to it. 
Look at somebody and say, I'm going to cheer for him. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to cheer for you. When you have a big dream in your life, I'm going to cheer for you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. I'm going to say good words over you. I'm going to join you. I'm going to agree with you in that dream. Prayer of agreement is very, very powerful, isn't it, church? It takes words. In Mark 11, 22 and 23, the Lord said this. They were so impressed that he cursed the fig tree. And how did he curse the fig tree? He didn't say, I curse you, fig tree. What did he say? May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the Bible says the disciples heard it. They were listening to everything he said. And they heard what it said. And by the end of the day, guess what happened to that tree? And they thought, that was so impressive. Jesus, you know, cursed the fig tree. And look, it's dead. And what did Jesus say? No doubt with a mountain behind him, he said, guess what? Get the gander of that mountain. If you would say and believe and not doubt in your heart, you could say to that mountain, be uprooted and what? Cast into the sea, and it would be done for him. But notice what he said. Number one, you have to say it. Say it. Come on, say it with me. Say it. it. Number two, you can't doubt it. Number three, you have to believe in what you said. What you said, what you said is coming to pass. And four, it will happen. Say it. Don't doubt it. Believe it, and it will happen. Come on, say it boldly. Say it. it. Don't doubt it. Believe it. And it'll happen. You notice how important saying is? One more time with me. Say it. Don't doubt it. Believe it. It'll happen. I mean, with all your heart right now. Say it. Don't doubt it. Believe it. And it'll happen. Hey, brothers and sisters, that didn't come from Tulsa. That didn't come, you know, from some word of faith foundation. That came from Jesus' own mouth. It's important for you to understand this is how faith works. Uh, Brother Hagin was teaching on this years ago. The Spirit of God spoke to him and said, you know what, if you read that carefully, you'll find out that I talk three times as much about saying as believing. And he said, why would you point that out? Because my people are tending to believe things, but they're not using their mouth and saying them. Don't be afraid to speak that vision. Don't be afraid to say the dream in your heart. He said, well, if it all doesn't come to pass like I said, I'll look like a fool. That's not godly. That's pride. Who cares? Now, when I found out, if I'll say something, even if I get a quarter to halfway there, I'm accomplishing a whole lot more than if I hadn't said it and believed in the first place. So laugh all you want to, but I'm not here. Do you see this? Declaring that thing will cause you to move forward in anticipation also in the execution and accomplishment of that dream. But nobody can do it for you. Amen. There is no area of life where faith in your heart and faith in your mouth are not relevant, particularly in the area of dreams. Shout it out. It takes God. It takes focus. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes words. Come on, say it. It takes words. Shout it out. Say it. Don't doubt it. Believe it. It'll happen. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Amen? And I'm telling you that uh, you're going to see, for those who have ears to hear, a, a new deposit and redepositing of dreams from God in the hearts of his people. Raise your hand if you're willing to receive whatever he has for you and then act on it. That's critical. Because remember what I said, just like with Joseph, There is no dream that doesn't bring about deliverance and the supernatural power of God. There is no dream from God that does not help people. 
How many want to help people? Raise your hand if you want to help people. It requires a dream from God. And then last, it takes resolution. We simply must be determined to see the dream come to pass. And I feel in my spirit there are people here that you had dreamed a dream and got pushed around and knocked around and got delayed and whatever it was and you didn't see it happen on your timetable, got kind of discouraged. Well, you just pick it up again. Amen? You just pick it up again. It's still there. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Pinch yourself to see if you're still alive. Go ahead, pinch yourself. And, and if you felt that pinch, that tells you you're alive and you're still able to pick that dream up. It is never too late for you to get on God's plan. Amen? When you're on this side. Once, uh, once we go to the other side, your redemptive participation is over. God will have dreams for you. I'm convinced of that. We haven't even begun to see or realize the dreams he'll have for his people when we get on the other side. It's literally a whole new world. But as far as getting people from hell to heaven, we're done once we're out of here. So we need to be very much aware of this. And whatever it is he has for you, he designed that to impact people's lives, to show off his power and his goodness and his love so people would come to him. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And that thing alive in us tells people, you know what, he is alive and well in your life, and I want him to be alive and well in my life. Jesus had a dream. And the scripture says in Luke 9, 51, that he, at the time, approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Luke 9, 51. The King James says that it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly, listen to this, Set his face to go to Jerusalem. You need to set your face in the direction of that dream. See, why would somebody dream to go to Jerusalem and die? Because he knew the fruit that was going to come from it. Paul, having the same attitude in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 24, said, And now, behold, I go bound or compelled in the spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Here's the dream, here's the vision, but none of these things move me. We've got to be resolute if we want to see the dream come to pass. Come on, shout it out. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Come on, say it again. None of these things move me. If you're going to accomplish that dream, you're going to have to be resolute. You're going to have to be determined. You're going to have to set your face in that direction and not pay attention to all the things that are happening around you. All the bad things, all the things that you hear in the media. It's, it's high time for the church to spend more time in God's Word than they do on social media, than they do listening to what CNN says or Fox says or anybody else. Amen? The Bible doesn't say uh, faith come by Fox. And we all know faith doesn't come by CNN. They lost their way a long time ago. The faith comes by what? Hearing. In Acts 26, verse 19, Paul said, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. 
I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, the dream God gave me. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Say it with me. Resolution. You've got to be resolved. You've got to be determined. You've got to say, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to stay focused on what God has called me to do. Well, it just doesn't seem that anybody cares or supports it. That's not relevant. Did God give you the dream? Amen. Well, nobody else is doing this. That's not the basis of whether you should do it or not. Nobody's being faithful to their dream. Doesn't matter. You make up your mind, you're going to be faithful to the heavenly vision in your life. Amen. Now, I don't think you're going to be going to Jerusalem to be crucified. But I'm telling you what, that God's dream for your life is just as important as the one that he had for our Savior. There are people here to be reached now. Say it with me, I have a dream from God and I'm going to pursue it with everything inside of me. Shout it out and say, it takes God. It takes focus. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes faith. It takes words. It takes resolution. Amen. Glory to God. Thank him today if you believe it. Give him a hand clap if you believe he's got a dream for you. Thank you, Father. 